G'day, welcome back to the Before I Go podcast. If you had to get struck by lightning, I'll say it again, if you had to get struck by lightning, how would you do it? What would you do to prepare and where would you go? Who would you talk to in order to get struck by lightning and what would you surround yourself with? Some of you might be imagining putting on a foil outfit right now. What would you do? if you had to get struck by lightning. You see, most people expect lightning strikes of good fortune to happen in their lives, but they aren't willing to prepare for a lightning strike of good fortune to hit them. It's a funny thing, attempting to get struck by lightning. I only know one person who's been struck by lightning in their lives, and they are near and dear to me. One thing we can agree on though, when it comes to getting struck by lightning, literally or metaphorically, is that the conditions have to be right. A lot of people get struck by thunderbolts of fortune, inspiration or life-changing insight. It happens. Then we make one crucial error, right? After we've been struck by a thunderbolt of fortune, inspiration or life-changing insight, we try to go back to the same place and simulate the conditions of the past to bring about change in the future. So we put in all the hard work after being struck by fortune before, and we plan to climb the mountain top again that we stood on when we were first thunderstruck. We hold our metal rods in the air expectantly, only to discover that the sun is out and there are no clouds of good fortune in sight. Not A sunny day is not really the sort of day that a thunderbolt seeker wishes to encounter. So if you want lightning to strike in your life, you have to create the conditions for it to occur. So here comes the next question that I'm often asked. Okay, I'm not really a lightning bolt expert, but when it comes to getting thunderbolts of fortune in our lives, people say, how long do you think it will take? So how long do you think it's going to take for the lightning strike to hit me? Have you ever been asked that? I bet you have. How long is this going to take? If you have been asked that question, I bet you've also repeated the little colloquialism as an answer. Whether you say it out loud to the person or not, someone says to you, how long will this take? And you respond with, how long is a, go on, you can say it, how long is a piece of string? When did we all get so philosophical about string and time, hey? Pieces of string do not conduct lightning very well. If you want lightning to strike, ditch the string. Your job is to create a lightning rod. A couple of uh, weekends ago, I was playing the game of life with my daughters and, uh, you know, the board game where you, you spin the wheel of fortune and see how you go. So in what was a simultaneously humbling and proud moment, one of my daughters beat me at the game of life. I was playing with both of them. And I thought, oh, my job here is done. Like, she's succeeded. I've been, you know, defeated by my daughter at the game of life. This could not be a better day. So I arrived at the end of the game and I chose to retire in the countryside acres as opposed to the millionaire mansion. There's this nice cartoon drawing of an open field on the the countryside acres, and I found that a little more alluring than the mansion. But 
It doesn't really matter where you choose to retire in the game of life. Whether you retire in the millionaire mansion at the end of it or the countryside acres, the game is over. So we all end up in the same place. We pack up the game and then we go home. So I got to the, the end of the game of life in second place with a cool $4.23 million. And that was having chosen the slightly longer career path, college career path, instead of going straight into the workforce. And I had a career as a video game designer paying a handsome $110,000 per payday. Deep down, I was hoping to have a career as a secret agent, but I didn't get that card this time. Maybe next time, hey? As an aside, when my kids were little, I actually convinced them that their mum was a ninja <laughs> and that they'd never seen her being a ninja because she was a very good ninja. Yeah, anyway, that was an aside. Um, back to the game of life. What was slightly more alarming though, right? Other than me finishing the game of life as a video game designer, is that I also finished the game of life with seven children. Mm, that's a lot to take care of. And slightly more alarming still was that my daughter finished the game of life with nine children. She was rewarded with $50,000 for each child at the end of the game. And for some strange reason, she wasn't exhausted at all. I couldn't understand it. I guess it does uh, pay to create, right? Nine kids, jeez. How different life would be, right? If we were playing it instead of surviving it. Hmm? Today I'm gonna to talk about three things. Lightning strikes, as you've already heard, the long and the short of it, and the game of life, which you've also heard about. So lightning strikes, the long and the short of it, and the game of life. And your job is to try and figure out how all of these things relate. So here we go. I've asked myself, how long will this take over the past couple of years? Because I've had a heap of up and ups and downs uh, building my own business, right? Building your own business, for anyone who's done it, it can be really, really hard. And particularly in an area such as coaching, right? which can often be misunderstood and people might have heard about it, but they may not have experienced it. So uh, truth be told, I've struggled to make ends meet right? through coaching alone. Um, I'm still going, but at the moment I'm, oh, I'm doing some really cool stuff that I love. Uh, I mow lawns sometimes, I coach as much as I can, I hire car drive, and sometimes I do some marketing, my old skill set, uh, just to help make ends meet. Um, so I've had patches where I've just been absolutely alive and loving it and full of hope and promise. And then I've had other times where I've really just been going, oh man, how long is this gonna take? So when I was talking to my mentor, uh, a little while ago, I breathed a massive sigh of relief because we do that, right? We have these concerns that simmer inside our minds and it, there is something really cathartic about talking this through with someone. So when I was sharing my state of being with my mentor, um, I, I just let a deep breath out because he said, hey, Lyndon, it's a long runway. And man, I was just relieved to hear that from someone who's who's been through it and has the experience to draw on. So that simple gesture of understanding, it cleared a whole bunch of mental chatter that I had going on about my goals and the need to succeed and timeframes and how I was gonna transition to a new career and the pressure to replace my income, all, all those worries that, um, they're worryful if you hang on to them. 
So this is a long runway I am on, and the good news about a long runway is that flight is inevitable, of course, if you can stay the course. So it leads me to a really interesting area to explore that's at the heart of the podcast I wanted to leave you with today. And that's this, the nature of instant breakthroughs versus long-term results. Overnight successes or the long, hard outcomes of one's effort. So the long and the short of it. Now, when I say the long and the short of it, I've got a whole bunch of mental attachments and understanding of what that phrase means from some of the work I've done in marketing. So when I say the long and the short of it, most of you, whether you are from a similar background to me or not, are going to have some sort of preloaded understanding of what this means and it will be relevant to your job or your life experience. So for me in this instance, I would invite you to think of it as short versus long-term results, right? Long and the short of it, short versus long-term results. Or as Stephen Covey says, I love this quote, um, it was handed again to me from my mentor, when you pick up one end of the stick, you pick up the other. Therefore, if you decide to take responsibility for your circumstances, you automatically tap into the power to change. How good is it? When you pick up one end of the stick, you also pick up the other. Long versus short-term growth. Thunderbolts versus apple trees. Buy now, pay later. No, no, I'm, I'm, I jest, that's after pay. One of the most successful Australian companies in recent history. So one of the, Afterpay was, funnily enough, one of the darlings of the COVID uh, share price booms that occurred. So, mate, if you got in on Afterpay or Zoom, uh, you were laughing. The funny thing about uh, companies like Afterpay uh, is that most companies that grab news headlines for enormous share price increases in a short amount of time They've normally spent the last 10 years in relatively sedentary levels of growth and profit. It's a very classic curve you see. Everyone pays attention to the boom, but normally it is a long runway and normally it's an exponential curve that took quite a long time to get to. So even Afterpay, which um, was really quick to, to reach its heights, it exploded in 2020, but it was founded in 2014. So for arguably one of the most successful companies in terms of the share price increases, that's a six-year runway uh, to lift off Afterpay. So I mentioned it before, right? As humans, we, we tend to only notice the standout moments, um, but not the long, hard work that came before those moments, right? You think about what grabs our attention on TV and no one really gets to watch all the practice and effort we watch the main event or the game or the pinnacle moments and we pay attention to those. So we notice the extravagance of takeoff, but we often forget the hard work behind the scenes just to make it to the runway, let alone take off. Right? In coaching, sometimes I crave instant success for my clients and I do wish that there was a a sudden lightning bolt or remarkable change in their capacity and fortunes. Like, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Like, what do you wish for? Magic genie, duk duk, it's yours. But I also know that for most people, getting struck by lightning may not occur, right? And instead, it is about commitment to gradual, incremental, and sustainable change, right? The long and the short of it.
Sometimes lightning strikes and I am witness to the echo of a miracle. Most of the time it is about commitment and staying the course on the path that you create each day, one step at a time. So the long and the short of it, radical change versus incremental growth. There's no such thing as an overnight success. I don't, I don't think so anyway. No such thing as an overnight success. There is only the lifetime that preceded a moment in time when awareness and attention was given to an individual en masse, right? There's a lifetime that you don't see. And then a whole bunch of people give a whole lot of attention, which normally translates into money into somebody's successes or outcomes. Right? So there's no such thing as an overnight success, just a whole bunch of attention that was paid to something in a small amount of time. And we say, oh, wow, that's an overnight success. So a few questions for you. If you are listening, dear listener, or if you are watching, dear watcher, what do you hope for? Right? And what do you gravitate towards? Are you an all or nothing kind of person or a step-by-step -step kind of person? That's what we're getting at here with the, the long and the short of it. All or nothing or one step at a time. You know, there's a, a close, no, you don't know, but I'll tell you. There's a close friend of mine and they're looking, um, looking for work at the moment and they are subject to a constant barrage of incoming emails saying, sorry, but your application was unsuccessful. Right? And that can start to become wearing. Right? Anyone who's gone through that process, it gets really wearing to consistently hear no, thanks, but no thanks. Right? And it's wearing if we put a lot of weight behind what those no's mean regarding our self-worth. Right? It's how much meaning we attach to the no. So simply put, right? If you see like no thanks just means no thanks, right? That's what you're getting back in the emails. But you tend to attach a, a lot more to that response and you wrap a story around what it means. What does it mean, right? Am I too old now? Am I, they, I keep getting these no's. Am I too young? Um, am I not skilled enough, right? Did I not put the right letter together? It's all of this, this wrestling to try and come up with some sort of narrative that attaches meaning and detail to what otherwise was just a simple no thanks, right? Thanks, but no thanks. We really make, um, what is they mountains out of molehills. I don't think I've ever seen a molehill. I've seen a few mountains. So I wrote to my friend and um, I used the metaphor of songwriting, right? Uh, and I love metaphors. Most of us have to hear the truth through metaphors because what, what they do is they point to something deeper inside. It's kind of like a little wink or nod to the truth, but you go figure it out for yourself, right? A metaphor is close, but it's not it. So I love, I love the use of metaphors because I think what they're doing is they're inviting us to read between the lines and kind of inviting you to check what you already knew but forgot through the power of metaphors, a little echo. So for anyone who's been rejected before, maybe it was a love letter, you had your heart broken over and over again. I was never really around when, um, you know, dating apps and all that sort of stuff started to pop up. But I imagine some people have felt a lot of rejection from whatever the equivalent of no's are. Maybe it's the job, going for job, either new jobs or getting promoted. I don't know. Right? But uh, if you've ever been rejected before, 
which I hope is all of you because that means you've actually risked something to gain something. You've probably wondered how many times am I going to have to ask before I receive the answer that I'm seeking? How many no's will there be before I get a yes? How long will this take? So I could feel my friend asking these questions. So I wrote to him using, using the metaphor of music. So I'm going to share a little bit with you about it. Thunderbolts, right? You see, some famous songs were thunderbolts of magic and creativity and inspiration. Boom! And they just zapped right down. So some songs, and I'm I'm talking about famous songs, they appear to be effortless manifestations of, of creative power that were just downloaded in the blink of an eye. Zoom! And the song just happened. You've, you've probably heard people describe it this way, right? So it happens in the blink of an eye. Other famous songs, though, they took time. A lot, a lot of time and a lot of effort. And continuous improvement. It kind of gives me a little bit of a shudder say in the words continuous improvement because it makes me think about um, over-mechanized corporates. But... Continuous improvement. So let me give you a couple of examples in the music arena. The Beatles, right? Yesterday, what a great song. I had to pause. Maybe you don't like the Beatles. Maybe you haven't heard them. Maybe yesterday's not your cup of tea. It's a great song. Um, So have a listen. But anyway, the Beatles, uh, yesterday was written in less than a minute. I think it would have taken a little more than a minute for McCartney to put pen to paper or, you know, um, plectrum to guitar. But here's the quote that I found on NME uh, about yesterday. It says this, it said, Yesterday, one of the Beatles' best-loved tracks was famously conceived during a dream that McCartney hurriedly scribbled down upon waking. I have no idea how I wrote that. I just woke up one morning and it was in my head. I didn't believe it for about two weeks, Macca said of the incident. Sounds like a, <laughs> sounds like a car accident, right? Macca said of the incident. So yeah, less than five minutes for yesterday. Other examples that were on the same site around uh, songs that were just zapped into existence. Single Ladies by Beyonce, Royals by Lord. The Cave by Mumford and Sons, Skyfall by Adele, and Losing My Religion by R.E.M. All of those songs were written in less than 40 minutes, and some of them in less than five minutes. They seem like thunderbolts of good fortune, don't they? They really seem. You're like, oh man, some people are just lucky. And I bet you've, you've said in the back of your mind, it's just not fair, is it, that this stuff just happens to people. But here's my question. How long was the lifetime of preparation and practice that preceded the creation itself? How long was that runway? So, yesterday, written by, by McCartney in less than five minutes. Via a dream! Jeez! On the other side of the songs, though, that were written in just five minutes, is the brilliant example of a little ditty called Hallelujah. So Leonard Cohen wrote Hallelujah over a period of four years. He did 180 drafts of the lyrics. 180 drafts over a four-year period before he even started to produce the thing. 
After he had produced it, there were over a hundred covers of the song Hallelujah. And then for those who are in the know about this song, along came a young fella called Jeff Buckley who did a performance of it. And that's the one that most of you have probably heard if you've heard the song Hallelujah. And along it came, right? Uh, the breakthrough moment. Hallelujah was long-term, gradual change and enduring commitment. You know, it made me think of what McCartney said and he couldn't believe it. And maybe for, for someone else to take a little spark, I had this thought that change occurs at the speed of belief. He couldn't believe it. Bam, there it was. So I don't think it's any coincidence, right, that yesterday came to McCartney in a dream. So for those of you who are in either the scientific or psychology uh, communities, you've probably heard of Hebb's Law. Um, and that's regarding like pathways, right, mental pathways that we form. So here it is. Hebb's Law states that nerve cells that fire together wire together. Right? Nerve cells that fire together wire together. Or in other words, what you continue to believe and think changes the very fabric of your mind. And that flows into your very way of being and doing. So if you keep firing together creative thoughts and actions, right, you're going to be creative not just do it. And if you keep saying cruel things about yourself, if your inner critic's going, going off, if that repetition occurs, you're going to hardwire those beliefs and your body will respond. Right? They're not just repeated toxic thoughts. Your body becomes it. It responds to what you are putting in. And then we end up with depression or anxiety uh, because those nerve cells that fire together wire together. So... Back onto yesterday, right? Uh, yesterday came to McCartney in a dream, and I think it came to McCartney in a dream because his dreams were as much a reflection of his reality as his reality was a reflection of his dreams, right? If I've had, I've had a lot of peaceful sleeps the last couple of years, and man, I am. I'm very different inside to what I was three, four years ago. And I'm very grateful for it. And I can only just, I guess, testify that the nature of my dreams are different. And I've seen the, the impact of constantly putting in stuff day in, day out that is harmful or negative or limited versus feeding nourishing beliefs and thoughts into my mind and the nature of my dreams have changed. I don't want to get off on a tangent about it, but I just don't seem like I don't I, I think it's amazing and I do think it's miraculous that McCartney created yesterday in less than five minutes and it just seemed to be downloaded to him. But I also understand that if everything out there in terms of the data that could be downloaded was the essence of that sort of song. I can understand why it comes to him in a dream. So yeah, um, there's a lot written about whether we're in a dream state um, and whether we really see reality. 
I just understand that what's going on inside uh, is a reflection of both. I do think our dreams reflect our reality and our reality reflects our dreams. Hmm. Anyway, I'm going to do that from time to time, disappear off a little bit of a thought uh, bubble. That was fun. So, back on track. Um, as I said right up front, if you want lightning to strike, you have to create the conditions to allow it in your life. Right? You kind of have to respect Hebb's law, that nerve cells that fire together wire together. So, a slight take I've said if you want lightning to strike, go and create a lightning rod. It's more accurate if I say, you have to be a lightning rod, right? You gotta ask yourself, if you want lightning to strike and good fortune, am I a conduit for creativity and divine inspiration, right? The lightning rod that you are creating is yourself, right? Program yourself to be able to receive whatever lightning means to you. The conditions that you are creating for good fortune, they're not your circumstances, they're who you are, right? who you are being. So for some of you, again, that's a little hard to believe or process. So I'd love to remind us of the power of our thoughts, please. Right? Your thoughts create your reality and, you, and your experience of this world. Right? Um, whether you think that's true or not, uh, is what you're going to experience. So let me give you an example, all right? Uh, I was coming home on the train the other day, and this is a trip that I've done probably a thousand times or more. And along the way, I felt a really strange series of jolts, and I heard um, a grinding sound and could kind of feel the, the train behaving in what got my attention. So then I had a thought, what if there's something wrong with the tracks, right? I've done this trip a thousand times. This is the first time I think I've ever thought, what if there's something wrong with the tracks? Immediately I felt a little uneasy, right? My body responded with adrenaline. I could feel a shot of energy to prepare for the reality of my thoughts as if the train was actually about to be derailed. And then as my, as my body was pumping with a whole bunch of energy, I took a deep breath, right? And in a moment of clear breath, I just remembered the power of my thoughts and that they aren't always a reflection of truth, right? I went back to my relaxed ride home. And I did this because over the past, yeah, a few years, I've understood and not just understood, but embodied new insights about the nature of thought, right? I wasn't scared by my circumstances. I wasn't scared by the jolting and the sound of the train. I was scared by my thoughts <laughs> about my circumstances. My thoughts in the moment, they weren't aligned to reality. Right? Even though my body felt like I was preparing to respond as if it was. So I'm really grateful that I've put a whole bunch of time into um, kind of creating a, an automatic response to check the quality of my thinking in any given moment. Right? And I trust the presence of my, my breathing to bring me back to the reality of this moment. Um, ah, I wish I knew it earlier, but I didn't, so no point wishing. Yeah. So back to the Beatles and the long and the short of it. Thanks for bouncing around with me a little bit. So here's Paul McCartney. Bam! Yesterday is downloaded, right? And just think about this, right? He woke up um, over the next couple of weeks, couldn't believe it. 
Uh, and so it seemed like this song was written through him in the course of, well, he says less than a minute, but I imagine five minutes or so. So was, was Paul McCartney illiterate, right? Did he wake up one morning and all of a sudden he didn't just know how to read or write, he could sing and he could rhyme and he could play several musical instruments, right? Of course not, right? Paul McCartney had spent years in practicing and preparing himself for that one moment of brilliance to strike. Right? You see the difference here. He had created himself to be able to allow for that lightning strike to come through him. Right? All right. I know that music may not be everyone's thing, so let's take a quick look at sport. So James Kerr wrote a book called Legacy. All the Kiwis are like, yeah! So Legacy is about the All Blacks. And in James Kerr's book, he talks about 15 different mantras. And this is the mantras of one of the most successful sporting teams of all time across any sport, right? Here's mantra number eight. It says this, it was trained to win, right? Uh, no pun intended with the train story. I just told, oh, I've got to do that. I'm such a, got such a dad joke sometimes, trained to win. Anyway, mantra number... <laughs> Mantra number eight, train to win. And the little phrase that goes with it for the All Blacks was practice under pressure. Practice under pressure. So the way the All Blacks um, train and practice under pressure, it literally conditions their minds and their bodies to handle the power of lightning strikes on the field. Right? It's Hebb's law again. So what the All Blacks do and have done, they invest time wiring the nerve cells together through practice and repetition that allows them to seize the moments of opportunity as they arise, right? I think this is a really important distinction. They don't have to worry when the game is on the line. They don't have to worry about thinking or doing under pressure because before that, the capacity to perform in these circumstances has been baked in to who they are right, into their very way of being, right? As James Kerr says in Legacy, most people have the will to win, few have the will to prepare to win, right? Cracker, isn't it? So I was sharing a similar message with a friend who's a, a really good personal trainer, like a damn good personal trainer, and, he, and even a better human being, um, I've, I've told him that many times. So he's looking to change a few things in his life. So I use the example of his personal training to share this message with him, right? And so many of you who've done any form of sustained exercise with a goal attached, you'll understand that if you have a goal of, let's say, getting stronger, fitter, or skinnier, right? Most of us only get there through commitment showing up at each opportunity and putting in the reps, right? Anyone who has tried to condition their body knows this to be true. Time, attention, and commitment equals results, right? What I love is that if you know you have to have a sustained commitment to practicing change for your body to respond, it's exactly the way that your very being works with beliefs, right? If you wanna change inside so that your outside world reflects that, you have to put in effort to create and reinforce 
new beliefs about yourself and others. It's just like working with your body, right? If you are training and preparing your body for change, you will also know if you are hurting yourself or helping yourself, right? Sometimes it's a fine line. Sometimes you've got to, what I say, no pain, no gain. But there's a big difference between pain and properly hurting and injuring yourself, right? If you try and exercise your body and you injure yourself, you have to stop exercising and take the time to heal, right? It's a no-brainer. The same can be said for beliefs, which is if you try and create new beliefs that are toxic instead of loving about yourself and others, stop believing them, right? Take some time and heal. Your body knows when you're putting it through something that it shouldn't be going through. And your heart and your mind and your soul also respond when you're creating beliefs that you know aren't really congruent with with care and kindness towards yourself or others. So how long does it take, right? How long does it take to get skinny and fit in the body? How long does it take to get fit in the mind and the heart? So for some, it could be instant, right? Uh, or others, it could be a lifetime. Now, I'm not saying bam, and all of a sudden someone gets biceps when they're, they're really skinny. But I'll give you a few examples, right, of people who have become healthier overnight, right? There are people I know that have stopped a lifetime of drinking or smoking or who have stopped harming themselves with food or destroying their bodies on the back of just one huge life-changing insight, right? Sometimes those big aha moments, they can come through experience like having a heart attack or your child telling you the truth that you don't want to hear out loud about yourself as a parent, right? Or sometimes they come through the pain of divorce, And sometimes those life-changing insights, they simply come on the back of being open to fresh thinking, right? Letting go of limiting beliefs. Ah, can't tell you how, how powerful your beliefs are with regards to what your body and your actions are capable of creating, right? Man, so powerful. So either way, right, there are people who have chosen to change in an instant and they've kept that promise to themselves for the rest of their lives, right? And they, something has occurred inside them or they've used their, their circumstances and, sim, and um, well, they've used their situation as a conduit for insight, right? And they've decided to be someone else, right? They've decided to be more loving towards their body. So you can, you can change instantly. If the insight or epiphany or aha moment light bulb moment, whatever you want to call it, right? You can change instantly if the insight rocks your world enough. You've all heard the phrase, seek and you will find. I've also heard, if you don't decide, someone will decide for you. So thunderbolts of life-changing insights, they're real. It happens. There are some profound moments where significant breakthrough change happens in what seems like an instant. So, just like the way some of the greatest songs ever written were completed in one unfiltered moment of inspiration that took less than 10 minutes, right? Those those moments happen. Yesterday was written in a manner of minutes by Paul McCartney. But for Cohen and Hallelujah, it took 15 years 
102 people who covered and tweaked his song and a relentless commitment to finally bring that vision to life. Right? Some stuff takes time. Some stuff is instant. And the plateau, right? if it's taking time and you feel like the runway is really, really long, the plateau is a place to be revered. That's where most mastery is encountered. Right? Repetition matters. It, it matters even if you don't feel like you're making the progress that you would desire. Positive repetition changes the trajectory of your launch. Right? So, some stuff takes time. Some stuff is instant. But what happens if we are preparing for a moment that never arrives? Right? What if you're preparing and the moment never comes? What if takeoff doesn't come? I believe that you will know that you are aligned to what life calls you for when the practice is the call itself, right? Maybe you don't get to game day like the All Blacks and get to show the outcomes of your embodied beliefs, right? But when you are aligned to what life is gently inviting you to do and be, the practice is enough, right? The practice is enough. It's enough when the moment of training is exactly what you are here to do. Right. Love this, right? Love this moment. Love the person you are with now, right? Love this life, not the next one. Love this rep, right? And then the next repetition. Then love the next repetition, just one at a time. Love this chord even before the song is finished, yeah? Love this version of the song that is your life. I saw a post recently by Karen Purvis, and she said, scientists have discovered that it takes approximately 400 repetitions to create a new synapse in the brain, unless it is done in play. In which case, it only takes 10 to 20 repetitions. Right? I'll read it again. Scientists have discovered that it takes approximately 400 repetitions to create a new synapse in the brain, unless it is done in play, in which case it only takes 10 to 20 repetitions. Isn't that amazing? Right? In other words, play. Right? Love what you are doing, please. Right? For the sake of efficiency, Follow a path of passion and love, right? Those stats suggest that it's 20 to 40 times more efficient if you can rewire your brain and fire those new cells together based on play instead of mechanical repetition. Right? Maybe that's why some of the most popular stuff in this world seems like play to those who have mastered it. You play sports, right? You play music. The actors and the actresses, they're playing the roles of somebody. Even the food we eat, right? You get to play with food and experiment, right? So, how long will this take? Isn't that a question? <laughs> I guess the answer depends on whether you're having fun or not, right? Are you taking this life seriously? Or are you all in for the game of life, right? That's the question.
thunderbolts and lightning, the long and the short of it. Right? It's both. Nine children for my daughter, crikey. I don't know how she's gonna do it. Anyway. Thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening me. Have a good day, have a good day. Bye. Thanks so much for listening and sharing this space with me. I really, really hope this has served you well and it continues to do so for years to come. I love helping others. So if you would like to experience the power of creating together, please reach out to me. I'm here to help. And if you want to be on the podcast and leave a legacy, check out the contact details on my website, lindenrochford.com, or you can find me on Facebook. I'd love to hear your story before I go. Wishing you so much love from the inside out. I'll see you soon.